all you wonderful people. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do it. Welcome to the Court of Alex. I hope you're all having a wonderful day. I'm V, and I'm joined by Joe. Hello. Muse. Hello. And our special guest, Lex. Hi. This week, we're going to be discussing the infamous Wonder Woman 1984. Of course, was directed and written by Patty Jenkins and our boy Jeff Johns. The current ratings sit at uh, 5.5 out of 10 on IMDb, 43% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 4 out of 10 on Metacritic. Lex's good old friend GJ let us down. I know, oh, right? Like, okay, I saw his name in the beginning credits. I was like, I had like a little spark of hope. Little spark of hope. But it must have been an Aquaman movie because that was extinguished. It was drowned. <laughs> <laughs> Those critic ratings too just instantly dropped in like the past two weeks. It was sitting at a whopping like 70% mm-hmm. for audience since Christmas opening. And then I don't know what happened, but within five days times i just watched that drop from 60 to 55 to now the 43 percent i gotta say in my opinion it had good bones it did it had potential Mm -hmm. there was a good something there every steak has good bones but you know if you burn the meat it's still burnt bone okay i'll I'll say it differently it has good (laughs) b-roll footage and there's some good A-roll footage. And I just think if maybe some of the dialogue had been changed and maybe the whole plot and maybe uh, edit out some of the scenes to be shorter and some to be longer and some of the awkward pauses that went on too long maybe pause on like some of the important moments like the climax, you know? <laughs> that would be great. I just think there are, like, a few little things that could be done. So if we put every second of this movie through a Film 101 class under review. Yeah. Or just give me control. I could do it. With what we have, I could make a good film. That's how I felt. (laughs) I just sat there with hope in my eyes the whole time. Just, like, big, round eyes. Just like, it's gonna get better. (laughs) I feel like I should give a disclaimer, like... I am going to rag on this movie because it's really fun. I don't want to insult people who like the movie, but I also really want to insult the movie. There's a separation there, but I do definitely, I have to insult the movie. It's like catharsis. I I would insult the producers to their faces. Um, Not the people who work hard on it. I would insult anybody who made more than a million dollars off this movie to their face. (laughs) If you made less than a million dollars on this movie, we're fine. You would insult Chris Pine? Yes, because he'd probably look adorable like a kick puppy, okay? This <laughs> is like, with pleasure, actually. <laughs> I have nothing against Chris Pine, it's just... He is pretty, you know. but... To be fair, one of my favorite scenes in the movie was Chris Pine in a white t-shirt. Like, I saw that scene, I was like, this kind of does redeem the movie a little bit. <laughs> Chris Pine in a white scene? t-shirt? Yes, Chris Pine in a white t-shirt. Wait, what? Oh, was it when they were in Egypt? I have no idea. No clue where it was. <laughs> I don't remember anything but the white t-shirt. <laughs> it was very well fitting. I gotta say, I it don't think he's attractive at all. He upsets me on some level. It's not his fault. He just doesn't have a face made for me. It might be like Uncanny Valley level. That's what you say about animations that look <laughs> not quite human. 
say that to a person. <laughs> <laughs> he's not Uncanny Valley. He's just, he's not he's a dude. my type. Okay. Well, <laughs> my type is dude. Hey. So hey, hang on, everyone. Before we start getting crazy here, first of all, I want to clarify his chemistry with Gal Gadot. That was awesome. And I liked a lot of his acting. I thought he was very easygoing. He seemed to be having fun. I'm not going to rag on him. You can rag on him, but I thought he was great. I think the reason why was because I felt his entire character being there was pointless. There were strings attached to that. He he served his purpose in the original Wonder Woman, and he was great in that. Well, Joe saved our template from the Birds of Prey movie so that we can go through um, some bullet points to sort of corral our thoughts in a concise manner. <laughs> so, comedy. Did you find the tone of this movie consistent with the last one? They definitely played more into, like, the comedic sense in the sequel. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I feel like it was, at the same time, trying to still be a serious movie. And in the way that they were doing things, it was kind of along this path of, like, no, 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 we're going to be both. We're going to be both comedic and we're going to be serious. But normally when that happens, it's like... A scene that gives like a chuckle or two, maybe like one laughing sequence. This was just flopping from one extreme to the next because you're going from like this is really hokey, and then oh, mm. this is really supposed to be really sad and touching. I would agree. It felt very much like a TV serial, like the Wonder Woman TV show, yeah. right? It's hokey. It knows what it is. It's tongue in cheek, but it has the budget of an epic. Mm-hmm. So yeah. things just got a little strange. Mm-hmm. At least with the original Wonder Woman film, the tone I felt was more definitely more consistent because it was in World War One. It was darker. There was higher stakes, not just for the fact that the war is a backdrop and those funny moments help to alleviate the dark moments. That's what you usually use comedy for in that. But in this film, a lot of the comedy just felt flat and mm-hmm. it felt like they just threw them in there. I found the funny moments funny but they just felt weirdly out of place one of them definitely was the weird clothing montage we had with uh, steve trevor that just shows chris pine can improv and gal gadot cannot (laughs) it's not her native language you she should not have to improv that is a failure on the director's part was that actually an improv scene a hundred percent felt very much like one there's no way that was scripted because the way that it would take her a couple seconds to even respond to Steve in the scenes, mm. it sounds a lot like she's trying to come up with something funny. And I'm sure by the time she did, they already cut her to the next outfit. It looked like she was just sitting there being amused by him because she just shakes her head like, oh, you, every time he says anything. But yeah, <laughs> sorry. It was also tonally, uh, like you said, upsetting yeah. because of what had just happened. Yep. And we're supposed to be laughing at this point, and, I, and I'm just like... Uh- I need some things resolved first before we start enjoying going through a potentially dead man's closet. Exactly. Whenever they were in the middle of something, it was kind of like, we're just gonna mug at the camera, pose, do some like little fun twisteroos, mm-hmm. and uh, look at this lasso. And then you're I like... that lasso. <laughs> I've got some thoughts on that lasso. But I'll, I'll wait. take that lasso from her and throw it in the trash. <laughs> Alex, what did you think about the comedy of this film? None of it really stands out enough for me to remember it. (laughs) 
just my impression of the movie doesn't include some very good, like, memorable comedic moments, in my opinion. I think a lot of the comedy that was attempted comedy, like you guys said, really did fall flat and could have been edited better. There was a lot of missed potential with time travel comedy, and I think they tried to get it, but they failed. And so they tried so hard to make jokes about the 80s. I don't know what the right jokes about the 80s were, but they did not make them. <laughs> like, the similarity between me and DC Studios is not knowing the right jokes to make, but they're the ones <laughs> getting paid for this. I'm kind of disappointed because I would love a time travel comedy kind of like that. That, of course, I'm more of a history nerd. So, of course, I would go for Steve Trevor, like, reacting to, like, all the events that happened. But they didn't want to do that. They wanted parachute pants. It's like, oh, come on. Mm -hmm. We're in the middle of a cold war between two super nuclear powers, and you're worried about parachute pants. Buddy, we have bigger problems right now. <laughs> Ronald Reagan with the CGI face is the president. We have bigger problems. <laughs> That was really hard. Like, he didn't recognize that that was Ronald Reagan. No. That one was a real cartoonish take on Ronald I Reagan. honestly thought they were going to do what comics normally do, where it's like, there is a president that they're going to show, but it's not necessarily going to be the current president at the time. Mm -hmm. Even though sometimes in comic books, they do show the actual president or they mention it by name. Yeah. yeah like, like, for like 2008, 2000. I was on the same page as Lex. Like, I knew what time period this was. Mm -hmm. Like, Joe, I was like, that can't be Reagan. We don't want to implicate certain historical figures right. sometimes. That probably would have been the smart thing to do. Because then you can, like, appeal to both sides of your audience. If you're trying to stab at someone, though, you definitely go after their president. They should have stabbed harder. That's what I'm saying. That was a very light <laughs> stab. They made him look like a 40-year-old, Okay. <laughs> and it was ridiculously CGI. Well, not ridiculously. I don't think Ronald Reagan's CGI'd 40-year-old face is really what we should be focusing on here. But I'm focusing on it. On they a scale from harder. Princess Leia in Rogue One to Henry Cavill in Justice League, how bad was the CGI? I think it deserves a different scale because it was about <laughs> former U.S. President Ronald Reagan and that itself gave me psychic damage that cannot be measured in terms of CGI skill. <laughs> <laughs> okay, speaking of stylistic choices, the 80s. How well do you think they managed to portray them, Joe? Really poorly. <laughs> <laughs> like, aside from the outfits, a couple vehicles really couldn't tell that it was in the 80s mm -mm. for the most part and uh this is something i've seen in a bunch of different reviews of one win so far is like when you hear that a movie is going to take place in the 80s right now everybody's thinking like oh so it's going to be a lot like stranger things yep. where everything around it is going to be like just personifying the 80s even Diana's outfits, she has very timeless pieces, like me and V were talking about when we saw the movie, where you can't really tell even just by most of her outfits in the film. Again, like aside from the women working out, a couple of the guys with the business suits rolling up the sleeves and whatnot. Mm -hmm. They should have given her 80s poofy hair. They should have. They I did was that with Minerva. really hoping for like George Perez Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. we have Wonder Woman You're right. poofy hair. We should see it. Barbara Minerva, though, she definitely, I felt, embodied more of the 80s. Oh, for sure. Yeah. She had the frizzy hair, she, the, the big dorky glasses, and her outfits definitely were very 80s. Very 80s. Especially with the marketing for this being like, it's in the title. 
it being yeah. 1984. Like, if it was just a different Wonder Woman title, I don't think we would criticize the emphasis of the 80s as much. Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman would have been really cool. Did they? Sh- I don't think they shot this in film, but if they wanted this to look they like did. they did. They did shoot it in film. They shot Never it in mind. film just to give it more of that retro feel to it. Okay, you know what? I will give them kudos on that. I will give them the win on that one. Absolutely. Like, there was a lot of care put into parts of this. Mm -hmm. I would prefer that the story had as much care. Here's the thing, too. There are some tricky parts of doing a time travel movie. I get that we have a very large-scale story. I don't think we needed a large-scale story. Mm -hmm. Because overall, the theme felt very tidy and shallow, (laughs) kind of you don't cheat you have to do things the long way around or something like that truth is a difficult pill to swallow but you gotta swallow it i don't know it's really hard to match up to that opening sequence when they had the amazons and we'll talk about that in a second but like Mm. getting that to match up with the theme here we have the 80s we have a bunch of geopolitical stuff happening that's really complicated everyone remembers it differently and if you're not going to be a hundred percent accurate then you should probably leave that alone. If this were the 80s and we were making a TV show where Wonder Woman goes off and fights the Russians, you can get away with all kinds of crazy stuff. Captain America, that old TV serial did, he said all sorts of racist nonsense, and he was able to get away with it. You can't do that now. So the way they portrayed the rest of the world, a lot of people got angry, and I don't really blame them either. No. It's like, this didn't accurately represent the 80s or any of the geopolitical crises, but it did represent the way movies were made in the 80s about complicated geopolitical crises. Exactly. <laughs> Which is not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it depends what they're aiming for, I guess. Uh, I also wanted to touch on Wonder Woman herself. I think that even the cover of the film shows mm-hmm. her with, like, really big hair, which would have been great, you know, just get her some extensions or something, poof out her hair a bit, but, like, she doesn't have to have it, like, feathered and blown out. No. Because not every woman does. Not even, like, film actresses in the 80s all had that. But some bigger hair would have been nice just to keep up, because she is a fashionable lady, so you would expect Mm -hmm. a fashionable lady to have her finger on the pulse of latest trends. I don't mind her timeless outfits. I think that she even had timeless outfits in the Batman versus Superman film. Mm-hmm. I will say, too, in terms of stylistic choices, because I wanted to bring it back around, that freaking whip. That freaking whip was a major stylistic choice of making it insanely overpowered and acting more like Doctor Strange's cape than how the lasso normally operates yeah. in like Wonder Woman comics and previous movies. This one definitely went balls to the walls. It's going to be able to wrap around whatever I need it to. It's going to be able to pull onto lightning, which I understand was something that they pulled from the New 52 origin of Diana, which is still ridiculous to me. <laughs> oh, I did remember the lightning, and I was able to dunk on new 52 when my brother complained about it like we were just <laughs> i walked into the car i was like okay i'm just gonna somebody say something nice and that got to me just you know, like okay well in the movie's defense they didn't invent the lightning thing that mm-hmm. was already a stupid choice these they made so that was fun anyway to be fair i mean wonder woman did have um origin do not <laughs> we don't talk about the bondage origin we don't talk about that <laughs> 
But still, I feel like they took a lot of extreme liberties with this film compared to the first one, Dawn of Justice and Justice League. So you could say if the lasso can change its length, you never really know its true size. (laughs) I think another thing with the whip, let's get back to that and away from the puns, uh, it's it's undefinedness when it comes to truth was Mm -hmm. also really weird. I did not like that it could give you an LSD, like, hallucination. I will say just Maxwell Lord was a whole other stylistic choice to go with that version of the character, because that also is different from how Maxwell Lord normally is, in terms of, like, how he gets his powers and stuff. The whole wishing stone thing, I feel like we could have used something completely different for the plot of the movie. Mm -hmm. I feel like it was really dumb. I feel like it did more bad than good for the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, the fact that they don't even call it what it is. They're like, uh, yeah, it's a monkey's paw. I actually looked it up in the book that the monkey's paw is from is older than them, so it gets by on a technicality, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't popularized until like the terrible movie. Because I feel like during the 90s, I never heard anyone say anything like monkey's paw related. No. And it's weird that they would just straight up tell the audience like, okay, this is a monkey's paw, okay? You can wish on something, but something bad's gonna happen from your wish. All right, now we can keep going, and we're just gonna keep calling it a monkey's paw multiple times instead of what it is, which is um, a stuffing genie stone. Well, it could have made a cheetah's paw pun just to lampshade it. Like, even if that would have been an anachronism, like, you know, cheetah's paw. Cheetah. (laughs) Oh, no. No. This wishing stone, is it a thing in the comics, or was this completely made up? I'm pretty sure it's made up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Considering how inconsistent its origins are, like, oh, it's been passed down between all these empires, and it's of the gods, and it's of this weird trickster god. Well, the god of lies. Some people were like, are they doing Prince of Lies? Because that's just Satan. So, like, are we doing that mixed with that? Or is I mean, this actually... does exist in the DC universe, but they're not that brave. No. Yeah. Or that good at their job. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, is this, like, our golden apple? Is, like, are we going to do another Greek thing? Like, we did with Ares in the last one. Her entire thing has to do a lot the Greek pantheon. Why not the Apple of Discord? Like, it's this MacGuffin item. It was yellow, and that's what I thought. I heard God of Lies. I thought it was like, oh, are they really going to be using Loki right now? Because of the entire MCU. But then also when they were talking about, like, a device or whatever that can fight against this thing, I thought it was like, oh, so maybe they're going to bring in, like, Hephaestus or something like that that Diana's going to, like, communicate with somehow. I understood why they needed to have a rewrite for Cheetah's Origins, but Maxwell Lord? Yeah. It's an entirely different person, okay? That's not Maxwell Lord. You explain Maxwell Lord because you've read more of him than than I ever have. You read Justice League America. (laughs) Yeah, he controls minds. It puts a lot of strain on his brain, so he hemorrhages whenever he does it. Ooh. Lex Luthor would never have this problem. (laughs) That's... Yes, yes. So Wonder Woman's villains are inferior to Superman. I was going to say, because he needs a brain to have the problem. Oh my gosh. Wow! (laughs) (laughs) 
So, yeah, Maxwell Lord, he's totally happy controlling people and getting them to do his bidding. This is kind of close to that in that the uh, stone makes you... think what was going on was that Maxwell Lord was dying if he didn't grant enough wishes, and that's why he got more frantic. His body was shutting down from the power of the stone. Like, it was too much power for his physical form, I believe. Yeah. Well, I know he was granting wishes for people, but then was piggybacking off of their wishes by taking the thing from the stone itself. Like, the oil baron. He was like, all right, well, I'm going to give you your country back, but I get all of your oil. So he, in turn, is having to lose something himself. Because the wishing stone only gives you one wish. But he is the wishing stone. So it's not taking anything from him. I think he's just dying because... It's too much for him. That's my theory. The wishing stone was gone. And then when they unwished all their wishes, and he's healthy and normal again, where's the wishing stone? Did it get rebuilt? Is it just gone? Did they defeat it with the power of love? Everyone in the world clapped their hands and it's all over? Where's the wishing stone, Diana? (laughs) Everybody mm-hmm. clap your hand. I know what what is it that you're supposed to do? Oh, you have to say you believe. I renounce my wish. And then the fairy doesn't die. It was definitely very turns to the camera and said, "Do you believe? If you believe, look <laughs> into your screen." And it was end. very Doherty explorer. Thank you. Me. That's the word. I could not remember her name. Can you say renounce? <laughs> <laughs> I think that really was one of the biggest issues how undefined this wishing stone was like we barely got anything about it and it's the major conflict of the story a stone was a terrible choice okay yeah it doesn't fit the 80s it doesn't fit the theme of wishes no yeah if you're thinking of stones with the 80s you have romancing the stone you have indiana jones temple of doom and you have getting stoned You know what people the 80s love? Stones. (laughs) (laughs) So, do you have any other things to say about the environment, the setting, Lex? I know that you had a lot of pent-up rage you wanted to get out. (laughs) Well, there's a lot to unpack. I think we've unpacked a lot of it. But oh, look, a second briefcase. (laughs) (laughs) Um... I think the production crew must have been a bunch of people who are at least mostly over 40. Hopefully at least some people there who were over 50. So it's a little bit surprising that they managed to get it so wrong. Because it's not like this is a bunch of 20-year-olds who don't know how to use Google to look up what was the 80s like. But they still got it wrong. And I could go more into the geopolitical situation, but I think really... What sums it up, from my view, is that's what makes a time travel movie so difficult. Is because, like, looking back at it, at the end of the movie is like, everything's great. And then, like, you open up a history book and it's like, that's definitely not what happened. Most of my grievances just go, well, not most of them. There's so many. I don't think I could put a majority into any one section. But historically, it's frustrating. I agree. Yeah. I think that having such a big cast... Like, you're including the rest of the world. So you have a lot of people involved. It has a lot of strings. Mm -hmm. Each of those individuals has a reason for wishing for something. Each Mm -hmm. of those individuals has a negative consequence to that wish. That's too many wishes. That's too many plots. That's too many people. And I know we got to glimpse a couple of them. 
But those were like bad ones. Yeah. What about the people mm-hmm. who wished that their dying kid felt better? You know, no. <laughs> like those sorts of things. Like, I mean, I'm sure there are negative consequences, but not anything you would notice right away or that you wouldn't be willing to deal with because you love your kids so much, you know? You know what? I think that was one of the big things about the movie. It's like, it feels like a very cheap, simplistic moral that's like, oh, hey, you should tell the truth and be good. But it also assumes that every single person is inherently selfish enough or just bad enough to make an evil wish, a wish with harsh consequences given the chance that no person is going to wish for something selflessly. Mm-hmm. Well, to give it the benefit of the doubt, I would assume that any wish, no matter how selfless, like Diana's, would have a negative consequence just because the stone was created by someone evil. It's not supposed to give you anything happy. Like, you save one kid, but the other one dies, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time... They, yeah, like, like you said, they didn't show any Yeah, I don't think people would have renounced their wishes. I just, no, not everybody. That doesn't make any sense. You can't just no. give them... Like you said, yeah. a cheap moral, and then expect them to go, yeah, I was wrong for wishing for enough money to get me through the week. <laughs> Felt very politically charged to certain contemporaries. I said the same exact thing. Yeah. It, it's not like a good a moral right now. Now? Mm-mm. Yeah. Gal Gadot, poor thing. This is her second time sticking her foot in it during this pandemic. I mean, can we all agree that the last time was pretty bad, too? What was the last time? The Beatles song. Oh, imagine. Yeah. (laughs) Imagine all the people, you know, like... That's the perfect metaphor for this movie. (laughs) This movie feels like that song. Yeah, it's like, this is pretty, and, uh, you know, here's a cheap moral homily to put over you. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, you're suffering. This film is like, hey, uh, maybe don't make wishes for things maybe just accept reality and don't you know wish for the impossible just just deal with it and like people are going to a movie for escapism a little piece of fantasy to uh end of take the edge off (laughs) (laughs) and they're like no 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 go back and look at that edge and say i accept you and people are like no (laughs) we do not have to take harsh reality and just go yeah, this is better. We not only want to indulge in fantasy occasionally, but we would also like to have big wishes and hope for something that may seem impossible right now because we're all dealing with suffering and uh, maybe this isn't the message we needed right now. That was the exact point that I was going to bring up, which is that you have Diana telling everybody, renounce your wishes, and as we've all been experiencing within the past year... Just because somebody tells everybody to do something doesn't mean everybody's going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking movie was like, when was, it was supposed to come out, like, what, May of last year? Last May. Originally it was going to come out in May of 2020, and then it got pushed to July, and then it got pushed to October, and then it just became a Christmas movie. Yeah, that was a huge mistake. (laughs) That was huge. But they didn't know. Well, maybe they did. Maybe they were like, May is a terrible time to put this out because people have lost everything. This is going to upset them. (laughs) (laughs) I think what we were hoping for when we go to watch a movie on Christmas is something light and hopeful or something cool and fun that Mm kind of just feels like a present, you Mm -hmm. know, that doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like it's lecturing us 
And this movie not only felt like it was lecturing us, she practically turned to the camera and said, did you get it? Did you get the lesson? The moral's right there. And you're like, what moral? Because you said a lot of stuff. But I am glad Lex Luthor didn't get the Donald Trump treatment this time. Now it's some other poor son who has to be stuck in the 1980s who's a billionaire. He kind of got the Lex Luthor treatment a little bit. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that's true. He, they couldn't use Lex Luthor because Lex Luthor already got the Lex Luthor treatment. And then yeah. also got the Black Mask treatment. Of That's exactly the what I was telling when we saw the movie. <laughs> what is it with DC and making their villains like Lex Luthor, Black Mask, Maxwell Lord into clinically insane people? Like, okay, Heath yes, they Ledger. They want another Heath Ledger. Yes, they are megalomaniacs. Most of them are. That is a mm-hmm. clinical issue. But they're not these people that are going to, like, twitch because you insulted their mom or something crazy. Like, I don't know. Like, they just don't feel genuine mm-hmm. sense of, like, oh, my God, this man literally could talk me out of my entire inheritance because he's that good. That's how Lex Luthor and Maxwell Lord are. In the movie itself, like, Maxwell Lord said that he's not giant businessman or anything like that he's a tv personality that's the role that they wanted to give this maxwell lord in the movie he called himself a tv personality like what from is he doing a all those commercials guy? and everything <laughs> well that's kind of actually that... how he gave me a vibe of especially when he went live globally telling mm-hmm. everybody to wish it, well yeah that's he exactly took over an actual like. televangelist station however this is why you do a disservice to him by comparing him to Lex, okay? <laughs> Maxwell Lord is hot, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Maxwell Lord is suave, confident, always in control man who can talk the Justice League into letting him do whatever he wants. This guy, he's a schmoozer. Yep. To be fair, that would have been Lex Luthor if he didn't try to kill Superman like a gazillion times. Like, if you take out all the attempted murder, (laughs) there would be some charisma there. And I'm not going to blame Pedro Pascal for this, okay? Like, this is clearly some directing nonsense, but, like, he loses his mind very early on. Before anything happens, before he can blame it on the stone or anything, he's just having meltdowns left and right. He's like, oh, I'm losing my business. (gasps) Okay, to be fair, some people will actually react like that when they try to start a con and lose. That was actually pretty accurate. Not for Maxwell Lord. Well, not for Maxwell Lord, sure. But, you know, some people, they just... Or someone we want to see on screen. Listen, (laughs) I understand that there are crackheads in the world. I (laughs) I don't want Wonder Woman to fight them. Math is real, but we don't need every bad guy to be just mainlining meth. This guy was on something. And I'm not saying it didn't take the edge off in the moment. I'm just saying it didn't make for good TV. You see what I'm saying? Like, I sympathize if he had a mental issue or if he was on drugs. I sympathize. But I don't want to see that. (laughs) That sounds harsh. But remember, this is a fantasy character. I don't want to see it in this epic film where Wonder Woman's going to beat him up. Because now I feel bad. Right off the bat, I'm like, oh my gosh, this man is unstable. His poor kid. Like, I'm not even worried about him right now because he doesn't even seem like a real person. 
We haven't met him as a real person. He's basically acting like a Schumacher villain right now. Mm-hmm. Like you said, a Batman villain. But like mm-hmm. one of the corny ones that wears like purple goo on their face. Like <laughs> he's acting it's over not the top. As, yeah, it's like it's not as extreme as Black Mask. No. He seems a little more in control than Black Mask. But it's still very wacky. When he had that meltdown and he goes, I'm not a loser, he's a loser. And then yeah. his son is like, Dad, <laughs> please, please stop yelling at the wall, I'm scared. And it's just like, um, do we want to rewrite this part or maybe yeah. try again? Because everything about that was really uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, but comparing him to Black Mask real quick, at least Maxwell Lord had a bit of humanity trying to ground him with his son. Like, they were trying to get across that, like, he wants to be a good father for his son. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he's divorced and doesn't really know how to be a good father. But you can see that he's not, like, the father that just doesn't care and is like, why are you giving me visitation? Like, I don't want this. Um, right. He's clearly he's not Lionel wants- Luther. No, he wants to give his son the life that he feels his son deserves and that he didn't have. So you're like, okay, we're giving him more humanity. We are grounding him. But the only thing grounding him and connecting him to anything really is this child. And had the most innocent wish. See, there was one innocent wish and it was the son. Which also had bad consequences. Way to go, son. Um, <laughs> you fucked up again, kid. Ah, you can't but do anything right. He didn't know. He really no. didn't know. Nobody so. knew. So he's not off the hook either. But <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just hassling you. He's like a seven-year-old kid. <laughs> yeah. He got killed by a nuke. Oh okay. my gosh, getting chased by that mob. Okay, so that was like the one part I started to actually like feel bad for Maxwell Lord to see this kid like dealing with the consequences of the stuff he did. And, like, the only time I really even agree with you about, like, him wanting a better life for his son, like, and purely thinking about his son is towards the end. Because at the beginning, he's like, yeah, what's good for me is good for you. Go Mm -hmm. say hi to your mom. Like, get out of (laughs) here. Yeah, I love you, kid, but uh, I don't have time for you. I need to be great. If I'm great, then you'll be happy, you know? Like, he's not really doing this, like, oh, I'm doing it for you. It's like... I want this for me. Mm-hmm. And then you'll be great because you'll inherit it someday. It's just the way he treated him in the beginning. I didn't think it was going to be a plot point because he didn't seem very loving. It's like the dude needed like 10 years of therapy and he got those 10 years of therapy in like 10 seconds. <laughs> I mean, I understand it. His child was being chased by a mob and that does help you put your priorities in check. Hopefully. You'd hope. Yeah. It's also the kind of thing where once you get to the top and you look down, you're like, oh, shoot, this isn't as great as I thought it was. In terms of actors, though, like, I feel like, again, with Ewan McGregor, he did the best with what he was told how to act. It definitely wasn't his best. Did you say Ewan McGregor? As Black Mask. Oh, I see what you're saying. But in terms of, like, the acting and everything like that, like, then you have Kristen Wiig. Usually at any time an SNL actor is said to be in a movie, I usually have red flags right away. Because mm. they're going to make them improv, and you shouldn't do that. This is just my opinion. I felt she did an incredible job. Her character is supposed to be that awkward, dorky character. And a lot of the times when you have those awkward, weird characters... I get massive secondhand embarrassment because they do such an over-the-top cheesy job where you're just like, why? I never got that from her. 
Not even the beginning? Not when she went, whoa, and, like, dropped all her papers, and she's like, ha who's the klutz, right? Oh, my gosh, it's me. <laughs> you didn't like, you think that was over the top? Yeah. I didn't get that secondhand embarrassment that I normally get. Good for you. <laughs> I never got that with her, like, sometimes funky, but she was being more genuine with her awkwardness instead of comparing it to, like, an older show where you're just like, oh, no, here comes the cringy, awkward poor girl with big doofy glasses with tape on her nose and she's got no fashion sense and she can't walk hardly and you're like and yeah she falls but poor thing was trying too hard with the shoes it wasn't like someone bumped into her purposely when she was normally walking and being like oh i didn't see you there couldn't walk in heels and her conversation with diana when they were eating lunch didn't seem weird either i felt it was like two people actually having a genuine conversation but I felt she did a good job with balancing the awkward, dirty girl and not being too cliche with it. But honestly, I think you're right with that. But I mean, I guess what the stone took away supposedly was like her kindness. But it's just like when somebody seems like that real of a person, it makes such a descent. I mean, even just into furry villainy kind of harder to believe like if you play a convincing person it's harder for me to make that switch like oh this is their motivation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well i understood why pedro pascal was chewing up the scenery because he was being controlled by the stone but then there's Mm -hmm. Kristen wig next to him like trying to race him to the finish line of their descent into madness Mm -hmm. and it's not really clear why because like yeah she wants to be like diana and she wants to not have to give up her wish diana's a closet furry and that's why the stone did what it did okay no it's because (laughs) diana was actually wearing cheetah print high heels the first time she met her i'm not kidding yes it was no it's not not. yes Yes, diana was wearing she was it has nothing to do with it it was a stupid line she's like Oh, animal print. Rare. <laughs> it's rare. Yeah, she did that. That was that was something you said was not over the top. And then she gets into the plane with Maxwell Lord, and he's like, I'm feeling generous. You want a second wish? And I'm like, you don't get a second wish, Max. That's the plot of the movie. And then he, she goes, yeah, I want to be an apex predator. And he's like, yeah. And then <laughs> she becomes a monster because the movie is like, apex predator? You want to be the calmest of the cats? The least (laughs) dangerous of the cats? A cheetah? Okay. And that's what she is. And then she gets electrocuted. I was going to say, like, saying apex predator, first of all, a lot of people believe that humans are the apex predators of the world. So she may not even have changed at all. But if you want to excuse that part, second underneath that is, like, sharks, alligators, things that didn't evolve since prehistoric times. <laughs> Joe's just sitting there like, mm-mm, it would have turned her into a T-Rex. There is, I feel like <laughs> Cheetah would have been pretty low on that list. And Cheetah has several origin stories. They could have picked one of those or even done something sort of close, but this was not the best. And I will say too, like where her whole transformation of quirky to then all of a sudden I'm this all around badass, It was really weird to watch because, again, like, it's instant personality changes and it doesn't make any sense. 
And when it starts off, it's very much like an SNL character I feel like I've seen before. That exact outfit I feel like Andy Samberg wore in that musical <laughs> with Rihanna. Oh my god. <laughs> she borrowed Shirani's outfit. Yeah. <laughs> with the long skirt and the shoes and everything. It felt very much like that. And then she is acting very much like, oh, I'm such a klutz. Do you want to go have lunch sometime? It's totally cool if you don't want to. Because it's not lunchtime yet. Oh my gosh. And, and then, like, like, when they're actually at lunch, she's like, I was in love once. She's like, oh, I'm in love all the time. And sometimes I feel like people don't like me very... Like, she just starts going off on, like, her whole life story. She gave a lot of information, and I was like... Yeah. It was very... That a lot. Feel. And that's supposed to make her hashtag down. relatable, as we see in, like, Mariko Tamaki's comics of Wonder Woman uh, and a couple of other that seem to be getting their ideas from, like, Tumblr and stuff. And then... You start seeing, like, the first couple stages of her transformation where she's reading and all of a sudden, oh, I guess I don't need these glasses anymore. <laughs> yeah. And then she beats up the guy to death and almost gets hit by a car. She doesn't just get hit by any car. She gets hit by a jaguar. <laughs> and plays oh, no. with the little thing on the front of the car. I really wish Cheetah's character, besides, like, her origin story... I felt the impact of her transformation, not just because of, like, we're giving Kristen Wiig time to ad-lib and be this awkward SNL character, but I felt that they should have given more time for Diana and Barbara to actually, I don't know, hang out and be friends first. Like, all we got them was having that one lunch. Yeah. Like, maybe we can still have Barbara make the wish, and then Diana starts to notice things changing with her new friend i felt that that the impact would be harder on diana being like this is somebody i can relate to this is somebody i actually cared about before Mm -hmm. she had awesome powers and could kick butt like i can and diana only cared about going to lunch as she mentioned the stone she wasn't interested in the stone remember because they put the stone down and i think she said something like oh thanks for talking to me and then she yeah. like starts to cry and diana's like hey do you want to go to a, a lunch and talk about how dumb the stone is and then they just talk about their love lives oh okay i wish Makes they would have talked more about like actually like archaeology cultural anthropology stuff like this did not pass the bestial test <laughs> instead they're talking about boys like teenagers yeah yeah That was one of the major complaints of this film of like, it's Wonder Woman. She doesn't need a man. And then we cut to her eating alone outside. (laughs) I was telling Joe, I really would have preferred that they show us that she's lonely by having her maybe eat lunch at the grave or the memorial where Steve is to show that she misses him. Just get her out and close to something of his. I don't want to see, like, photos of him on a mantle and see her eating at a bistro, looking all glamorous and sad, and then a man offers her a cab, and she's like, no, I couldn't. Like, that felt really not relatable Mm -hmm. at all. That feels like like a caricature and somebody who's actually grieving somebody. Exactly. Yeah, it's been a long time since he passed, but at the same time, for her, that was her first and only love. And they really did emphasize that in Wonder Woman and has been one of the major emphasis still kind of in the comics. Like he's still somebody that she still cares about. But this movie would have been a better chance for her to actually move on more 
naturally mm-hmm. and kind of put it to rest, but still recognizing that he's still going to have a place in her heart. And without him coming back and putting a weird wrench kink into this whole thing, we don't need that. The way he came back, I almost would have preferred if he were a dream sequence yes. or yeah. something Illusion. else. He wasn't. Instead, we got the movie Ghost starring Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Just the whole taking over a completely different person. This was the main thing that Patty Jenkins has been trying to defend because this is something that everybody keeps lashing out about. Like, this was not okay. They took over a completely different person. This person, we have no idea where his consciousness is. Diana brings up the fact of like i don't really know how comfortable i am that this isn't actually you and then they continue to have a whole wardrobe montage as if everything's fine and they look around the whole guy's apartment of like oh i guess he was like an engineer or something i don't know but look at these outfits they don't even look at him like they're sad like oh man we should probably figure out what happened here because obviously it's neither of our faults that you know, I took over this guy's body. We should find out who he is or do something because this seems unethical. And maybe let's not have sex with his body. Let's just give him that decency by not uh, using his body as a little sex object for us to play with, <laughs> you know, when he's not around to give consent. I don't know. Maybe it was an accident because sometimes accidents happen when people accidentally have things. But like, that's part of like the theme of how Diana didn't accept the truth because she saw somebody else in this other guy's body, but they just never addressed that. Well, that was it in the very beginning in his like opening uh, scene. She yeah, shows up, he tries to talk to her, and she's like, get away from me, I'm not interested. And he says, I wish we had more time. And then they have that whole yeah. spinning sequence where the camera pans behind somebody else's head, and then it's not that guy's head face anymore, it's Steve's head. And then they sleep together that same night, and when they wake up the next morning, one, she freaks out because there's somebody in the bed with her, and she's used to being alone for the past 70 years. I can understand that part, but then she also mentions the fact of, like, I don't know how I feel because this isn't you. This is somebody else. And he's like, yeah, you're right. We should just go do the whole montage thing. They've acknowledged the fact of, like, this is weird. So you didn't actually get to have the consequences settle for the characters or for you as the viewer and uh, one of the biggest complaints aside from you know it's like this guy isn't conscious through any of this because steve took over his body none of this is good you have the thing of like diana is going along with it when normally this wouldn't really be a wonder woman thing wonder woman would not have just gone along with something like this she would have felt guilty because it's like we took advantage of somebody's body I don't even think she would have immediately done anything like that. I think no. she would have been like, Steve, what are you doing here? What is going on? Let's assess the situation. Like, she would immediately have gone into Wonder Woman mode of like, let's figure it out. It became very sappy very quickly. These characters, even Batman, Superman, Aquaman, none of them feel like their comic book counterparts anymore. No. And, you know, sometimes there are bad comic runs, but I don't even see the bad comic runs acting like this. And not only that, at least in one page, you will get something that's very similar to, like, the core of that character. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like we saw a lot more of that in the first Wonder Woman movie. We saw a lot more of, like, what actually makes Diana Wonder Woman. (laughs) This one, it felt very much like an 80s romance type of movie. 
Well, I think we tend to force Wonder Woman to be the ideal woman at all times. I think acting in a selfish way, if they acknowledge that it was selfish, Let's say that we keep the horrific body swap, or I'm sorry, possession angle. Wonder Woman has made her wish. She did it very subtly. We saw her make it. She goes, oh, I know what I'd wish for. There's wind. I hate the wind. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I get that we need a visual representation that her wish was granted. But, like, I don't know. Could it have, like, I guess it really for a second the crystal? <laughs> yeah, you should. It doesn't sweep her off her feet. I, I hate you both. So much. So, so much. All right. My brain is like hanging on by a thread. (laughs) We see her make her wish. Like maybe if they like made her eyes glow like purple for a second or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I would have changed the whole MacGuffin. So this isn't even a thing. But let's say it is. It could work if she makes the wish. She gets her wish. She sees how her wish is being applied She gets her man as long as she takes away another human being's agency. And she goes for it because she misses him so much. And she's like, I just want this one thing. That whole speech about, I just want this one thing. If she'd had that earlier, like right when she, you know, in the beginning. And he's like, you know, I wished for the same thing. This is tomorrow's problem. Whatever. They throw their hats. They could have talking all night long along the waterfront. They could have done a whole lot of stuff that didn't involve sex because I think as soon as it became that, people were like, oh, she's a rapist. And then (laughs) they checked out. Mm -hmm. I think if they had kept it at like, well, she's still using a different guy's body without his consent and she's not trying to find a solution. Like, we could kind of see why. Like, we kind of on board, but we're kind of not. We understand that what she's doing is wrong. She knows what she's doing is wrong, but she's going for it. We recognize that as an act of selfishness. And then if we maybe paralleled that with the beginning scene when she does something bad, quote unquote, if it was truly an act of selfishness, we could have some sort of like moral maybe being repeated (laughs) where we see her falling into the same patterns. Mm -hmm. Because the beginning, she didn't really do anything wrong. Like the beginning moral was like, don't cheat. But we, as an audience, didn't know she was cheating until that point, and I, right. it looked like she didn't either. So the moral wasn't as firmed up in the beginning, so we're like, I don't know what that whole sequence was about. That was weird. It was so long. And it was so long. It was very long. And then we get the parallel, which is she cheats or she indulges in a lie, but it's so much worse than what she did as a child. Yeah. It's so much worse. So we don't even, like, necessarily see a parallel between the two things because what she did as a child was so minor. You're like, I don't think she should have been punished. And then the other one, you're like, she did not get punished enough. That was really bad. The movie never acknowledges it. And even Patty Jenkins being called out about it, like, on Twitter, on different things, like, she seems to be completely, like, sticking to her guns that this wasn't bad, what Wonder Woman did. And I know it's not as severe, but later on, her and Steve are like, hey, we gotta get to Cairo. We gotta fly there, but we don't know if you have a passport. Fucking check if this man has a passport, you ding-dongs. And they go to the Smithsonian, the remote one, outside of D.C., steal a plane, which this man clearly cannot fly because it's been, like, decades. This plane has no fuel. And that's why they're in a museum. You're committing a a federal crime. (laughs) 
I'm <laughs> you're stealing from the museum. This is a federal crime. They go to fly the thing. Let's just say it somehow, like, had fuel in it. It's a recent jet. Oh, he didn't yeah. do any pre-flight checks. It made me so angry. Mm-hmm. Despite all of this, she decides to turn the plane invisible with magic. If it's the mascara magic where it completely obscures you from any kind of detection, okay, I'll give you that. But still, the plane is flying through fireworks, which is also a big no-no. Thank you. I was going to say... I feel like that invisible cup joke would have landed if she said it differently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she says it's so weird. It was it's very like, flat. It's like a throwaway line. Like, oh, yeah, my father Zeus, and he, he knows how to turn things invisible, so I did that. I've only tried it once, and I'll do it again. That's just like, boom. Wow, yeah, you know, that was easy. And you're like, what? And I understand, <laughs> like, they're trying to make Diana more magical, in recent years yeah. in terms of like doing like spells and stuff like that mm-hmm. it still feels very out of place for me and i'm sure it did for a lot of like these older fans of one woman as well that may have seen this movie but also steve trevor okay excuse the fact that he automatically knows how to fly this plane excuse the fact that it has fuel and everything excuse the fact that it's invisible the best line in this movie was well shit diana when talking about radar That was one of the best lines in the film. But then it's immediately ruined because he sees explosions in the distance. He's like, what is that? Like, oh, those are fireworks. And then he doesn't say anything, but the camera just shows him like a little boy in a toy store turning the plane immediately towards explosions. (laughs) Like, I don't care. This guy ever seen a color explosion? You know what an explosion is, you moron. Fireworks existed back then. Like, fireworks existed in mainland China. I was going to say, for centuries. Yeah. You put a World War One vet into a plane, and you're like, what's their first instinct? It's to fly right into loud explosions. Thank because you. Because that is how you survive World War One. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, it reminds me of home. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just looking around in their visible jet, surrounded by these explosions, miraculously mm-hmm. dodging every single one of them. Yep. Joe and I just turned to each other and just, like, lost it at that part. We like, were in as tears. As soon as he, like, he's like, yeah! And just <laughs> go, they're, like, flying through the explosions, like, this is so cool. And we're just crying. <laughs> and we were watching it on HBO Max. You watched it in theaters, Lex. Mm-hmm. Did you see anybody else reacting to that at all? Not really, no. I felt so bad because I feel like I would have seen, like, just with my theater, people are so uh, talkative. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty socially distanced, and it was a really small theater, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish there were more reactions. They're the best. That's like, the this best deserves the theater 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 level reaction. <laughs> we were laughing our asses off. And then, still keeping with the, the jet theme, when they had to go back to D.C. the very next day, where the hell did they get the fuel? And plus, a jet like that is not going to make it from D.C. to Cairo. Nope. And no matter what, they would have had to refuel on the return trip. And I think if they worked out these logistics, like, even that would make it more interesting to watch. Because then would mm-hmm. feel, yeah. like, even yeah. small things like this. I think that's part of, yeah, that's part of why it doesn't feel like it's even in the 1980s. If you have, like, a realistic movie where people have to worry about things like fuel and, like, stopping at the U.K. before stopping at Cairo, 
that feels like something that could have happened in the 80s. This doesn't feel like the 80s. This feels like a magic fantasy land where museum airplanes have enough people to get you to Cairo. And women yep. fall off of bridges because they're posing for their wedding photos. <laughs> and all the thieves are incompetent and cartoonish. And they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. So they, like, <laughs> slip on their own feet like there's a banana peel. It's, it's a and wild world. And it's going to world. criticize um, consumerism, but not going to criticize it too strongly. Just a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Don't be like the 80s. Oh, yeah. Where Every, yeah. everything is big and loud and neon just live organically and just be born a millionaire i don't know what they're saying to me <laughs> yeah. brought to you by whole foods just yeah. imagine it's good but it can be better Speaking my review Cairo, going back to cheetah really quickly well barbara and diana's relationship like she contacts her and is like hey we need to figure out, we got to track down the stone, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> She's, like, calling her in Cairo, and most of the times, like, I feel so bad for Barbara Minerva because I feel like Diana's just using her at this point. Like, mm -hmm. there is no connection between the two of them, and you've just been stringing her along to try to figure out stuff, and you're not looping her in. Like, yeah, your just... friends do that to me all the time. I don't go off and try to kill them. Yeah. Can I also say, there's <laughs> at least a time difference between Cairo and Washington, D.C.? Yeah. And somehow it's in both places, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, like, come on, we haven't spent our time trying to coordinate across United States time zones, just come on. <laughs> Why does this feel like this was written by someone who's never lived an adult life? Like, <laughs> it feels like a teenage written, mm -hmm. like, story. I'm pretty sure like, I've read Jeff Jones written by teenagers that were better than this. We have said Jeff Jones resembles a teenager at times. True. I don't know what the disconnect is between the gritty war movie that we saw before and this. This is more on the hokey side for sure. It sure is. Conspiracy theory. The 1980s is too recent and affects our current situation too much for them to actually criticize it with any momentum because that would be fundamentally disruptive to the status quo. Meanwhile, World War One is in the past. Nobody lived through it. So they can make it as gritty and dark and in the UK as they want to, but they can't do that for 1980s America. So they got to make it hokey. You know, you did remind me. I did think that the history portion of the World War One movie was hokey. Mm -hmm. Because they had all those cartoonish politicians yeah. who were, like, giving off weird orders and things. And I was like, this doesn't feel like a real world at all. This, this yeah, feels very true. ridiculous, actually. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, I just gave that a pass because the costumes were cool. <laughs> wow. You're right. I think this retroactively made Wonder Woman 1 worse for me. <laughs> but the chemistry was so good in the first one. And I think like it could have worked in the second one if we weren't all thinking about the implications. We all have moral centers. We can't help it. We can't turn those off for your movie. I know it's not like as big of a thing, but the special effects in this film... Like, the fight sequences were beautiful. Like, when she's standing, using her whip, and punching people, it looked pretty smooth. Her running alongside the tanks, or, like, running in the mall. I felt I like it was pretty okay, except for the, the parts where it was in slow motion. But she, in terms of fighting and choreography of that, it was a lot of posing. A lot more posing than she did in the first film. Yeah. And a lot of the hits you don't see because for some reason the camera would pan behind the person's head. 
so you don't see any contact whatsoever. I did feel like the editing did a huge disservice to the fight scenes because not only would they go on too long, I complained about the first Wonder Woman and how they had that slow-mo when she was coming in. Mm-hmm. But then they didn't have this this time. They had some sped up things. Like there was one where like Wonder Woman like runs and then she mm-hmm. slides and she like gets underneath something. And I was like, that's cool. But then like the rest of the whole fight scene, like the mall, so slow. Like that scene went on so mm-hmm. long and she's just toying with them. And she's moving so slow that they have to like go out of their way to be extra incompetent so that they don't hit her. We didn't need any of that fight scene. They put it in slow-mo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't like Zack Snyder slow-mo, but it was slow. Mm-hmm. It was like Birds of Prey slow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was that. I don't know what's up with that. Like, do they not do that anymore where they like speed things up a little bit to make it look action-packed? The cuts didn't help. They kind of hindered. Mm-mm. This was actually a thing throughout the entire movie. The editing was insanely bad. Yeah. Like I said, the climax where Maxwell Lord is, like, having this realization, you know, I renounce my wish, and he just, like, says it really loud, and you think it's going to be, like, a moment, and something's going to happen. No. He just (laughs) says it, and then he turns and scurries off. And there's no moment where you're, like, pause, let it land, and then move Mm -hmm. off. Or pause something happens and then we cut to him running or even don't show him running away because that was awkward i didn't want to see it (laughs) he ran so awkwardly in this movie's defense it has provided plenty of material for aspiring film majors to make it better like you can only go up from here it's so, my imagination for sure. I want to say, like, for the most part, yeah, like, like what V was saying, they focus so much on the wrong scenes in this film. Yeah. The one that I feel like they really did justice for is when Minerva is fighting Diana in um, the building before she's fully Cheetah. And you just see, like, the pained look on Diana's face. Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah. That was actually yeah, that was really, really good, good acting. It was too bad that mm-hmm. she held that same expression for yeah. several seconds yeah. too long. It just stayed there. It was like nobody told her to change her expression, so she held it like a mm-hmm. good model, I guess. But yeah, no, the ending, I feel like a little bit like one of the people in this movie because I got my wish that she didn't have to have a big fight with the bad guy at the end. Mm-hmm. And she didn't. It should have been perfect. She did that Wonder Woman thing where she gets through to the villain she convinces him of the error of his ways and he changes and it should have been beautiful but the whole time i was thinking this is being rushed it's not fully realized like the build-up felt quick in terms of like the actual parts that were relevant to the story i felt like we skipped over a lot to get there and then the resolution was real quick and then the post resolution god was so long it was ridiculous because while all this is going on, while Maxwell Lord is trying to get all these wishes, chaos is ensuing across the globe. Like, we saw it in D.C. People are fighting each other. There's livestock running around. Like, it's chaos. And all of a sudden, at the end, it's like nothing happened. If you want an easy resolution, you cannot have a plot like this. But it's also typical Patty Jenkins fashion, as we've seen in from the first Wonder Woman, where it builds up, it builds up, and then it just completely nosedives at the end. Which we did predict yeah. would happen. Because that easy resolution in the last one was kind of disappointing as well. 
that was a letdown. So there were good parts in this, and I think that made it harder for a lot of people because we wanted to root for it, you know? There were some really good parts. Well, especially since they've been hyping it up for over a year now. Oh, yeah. And at the end of it, your major takeaway is that uh, cheetahs never win. I hate you. I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Speaking of cheetah when it comes to editing and CG... Her cheetah form wasn't horrendous. I'm going to say that. It was still better than the CG from the Cats movie. That's That's a very low low bar. bar. You can't say that. (laughs) I feel like they could have done a whole lot better, especially after seeing trailers for, like, Falcon Winter Soldier and all the aliens you see in any Star Wars movie or Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm sorry, it's an opportunity, okay? If you get the opportunity to design the cheetah, one of Wonder Woman's biggest villains, that's awesome. That should look cool. You should try something cool. This kind of mm-hmm. looked a little like it was phoned in, just a touch. Yeah. <laughs> Even the ending to her fight with Cheetah. She gets electrocuted, but Diana's fine in a whole metal suit. Yeah, why was it there? What was its point? Why was she wearing it? Like, it would have made more sense if, with her wish, because the wish weakened her. Right. Yes. If she still didn't have her powers for whatever reason, and she needed to wear the armor to help protect herself against somebody who had her abilities, it would have been different if, like, Minerva wished to be Diana, and as a consequence, took diana's actual ability which is what seemed what it was doing it was very that's what i thought at first yeah so it would make sense being like hey i'm going to wear the armor of this warrior that has been idolized by the amazonian women which i'm pretty certain has never existed in comics i have no no idea it it exists it's uh it's from kingdom come yeah. Okay. So well, the at armor, least anyway. Yeah, but the armor was supposed to be a sign of Diana's moral failings, right? Originally, because this was supposed to be a more aggressive Diana back in the comics of Kingdom Come, going more towards the like the fierce Amazonian warrior end of things. That's why mm-hmm. you also see in a, another Amazonian story arc, Diana has that armor in the comics. Donna Troy has her own version of that armor, and Cassie Sandsmark Wonder Girl has a version of that armor as well you see all three of them with this but yeah what you were saying too about like it would have made more sense for her to not have the powers as she wears those armors me and v were saying the same thing and then throughout the fight with cheetah she's regaining the powers or whatever and then she throws it off or whatever that would have made more sense mm-hmm. or she manages to take her down with cunning which would make more sense why she electrocuted cheetah but she still shouldn't have been in the pool. And you can say that the armor is magical, that she protected Diana, but she didn't have her helmet on. So the face is still exposed. But again with that, I will say, after that whole thing, you do finally get to see a new superpower for Diana, which is the ability of flying, which I thought was pretty interesting because it's always hit or miss of like what type of Wonder Woman you're going to get. Are you going to get the one that relies strictly only on the invisible jet? Or are you going to get the one that actually flies alongside Superman and every other superhero aside from Batman? You got both. And apparently also super hearing because she can hear every single crime that goes on everywhere. She's become Superwoman. I think With that the they thing. did a disservice. Stop trying to <laughs> fetishize Wonder Woman. 
I just think that they did a disservice to her by giving her too much power. <laughs> they started to take her power away. We were starting to get interesting solutions. We were starting to see her look ragged around the edges, which humanized her because mm -hmm. she is OP already. So now we're taking her down a peg, we're nerfing her so she's relatable, so she has something to struggle against. Instead, they're like, ha, just kidding. Uh, she has all these extra powers now that they're not going to do anything against the main bad guy. They really don't come into play much for anything um, except to show you that she has them. And so it just kind of made her less sympathetic, in my opinion, for her to have all of those. And yeah, I agree about the whip. Uh, I would like to see her use it as a lasso more often. <laughs> Teach that girl how to lasso. I want to <laughs> see some yippee ki <laughs> And <laughs> I liked how she spun it. She uses it to get all the bullets away from her when she's weak. That was amazing. I loved how she came up with creative solutions during that fight scene. I hated how she destroyed all the art. Yes. Yeah. Like Someone it was who's on so purpose. big on history. <laughs> she's like, and I hate that piece, and I hate that piece. <laughs> I'm like, you're missing all the people. It's not doing anything. Stand down. I liked how she defended herself. Up until the point where she lasso starts to like wiggle on its own like a worm. That's yeah. when I get like, no, no, that's creepy. Oh. It's not cute like the magic carpet or, or Doctor Strange Escape. Yeah, it's a wormy rope. I don't <laughs> want that. It's a wondrous thing. <laughs> Shut up. I don't know. I, I thought there was some good choreography. I definitely agree. There was a lot of bad choreography. Oh. And uh, Linda Carter. Yeah, that whole. 15 second cameo that they clearly only did one take of. They did not give her justice. She did so oh. much better in the CW shows. That is saying something. Just the way she was shoehorned into the story felt weird. Yeah. yeah. There was not a lot of thought put into a lot of different elements in this and it seems especially weird when they had time to like clean some of that up because no one was seeing it. They had months. They probably just sat on a shelf. They should have been testing it with small audiences, getting it honed. They had all that time. DC doesn't like to do things well anymore. And in two more months, we'll get to see more of that. Four <laughs> hour long episodes of that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Are you all ready for the Snyderverse? <laughs> There's an angel and a devil on both my shoulders. Both of them are named Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> Is one named Zach and the other's named Scott? Yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm excited. You like to roast things, though. I do. We do a lot of it on this podcast. A lot we more do. than I thought I, I would be doing. But... <laughs> well, we with how things are right exactly. now, with, I would, the, the comic verse and the movie verse, mm -hmm. it's not hard. So, uh, what were your ratings of Wonder Woman? Out of five. We're each giving it at something out of five. I gave it a whopping two. I'm going to go with three. <laughs> I went with a three. Two. Fair enough. It's it gets not one star because Chris Pine a white t-shirt. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I would say three is really generous. Yeah. I'll agree that it has good bones, as V likes to say, but I feel like that's automatically a two. You need more things to build on top of that. Okay, well, how about this? Uh, it had good bones, and I enjoyed watching it more than anything Snyder's ever put out in his life. That's a low bar. <laughs> but 
Okay, let's say it's better than any DC film save Wonder Woman and Shazam. Any? Okay, any of the current modern DCEU. Oh, I would still see the first one. For me, is Shazam. Shazam is my favorite DC movie right now at this point. Then I would say the original Wonder Woman. It's kind of in that vein of, it's okay. It's not Parts something I'm ready cool. to see again. No. Aesthetically, Aquaman looked pretty. And I didn't mind looking at the pretty water sequences yeah. and the, the fish of and Atlantis stuff. That was awesome. Everything. You're both so thirsty. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even meaning to make a pun there. Um, to be fair, I did put the three before I realized that she raped a guy. I was so concerned that she'd killed the guy with her wish that I wasn't even thinking that she was raping him. Oh I thought he God. was dead, so I didn't think about it until Joe like was like, oh, you didn't notice? I'm like, Because I guess. the poor guy gets brought back at the end to confirm he was never dead. And it's like a Hallmark scene, too, where the snow is falling, he's a beautiful, handsome man in a nice outfit, the one that Steve was already wearing. That he wouldn't wear. No, the one she wanted him to wear. Yeah, And she's like, wow, you know, that's a nice outfit. And he's like, thanks. Oh, I'll see you around. And she's like, yes, you will. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen enough. (laughs) God, that was such an awkward moment because it's like, is this her trying to say like, yeah, I'm going to move on. I'm going to go. I don't think she was going to get with him, honestly. I think that she was just like. This is such a stretch, but remember in the beginning when this guy is like, hey, you want to share this cab? Like, it's a total normal thing to say, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to get in a cab. You want a cab? Let's share it. And she goes, no, no, thanks. I'll take the next one. Like, she does not want anything to do with any man. Any man who approaches her, she's just like, no. <laughs> they just like, excuse me, may I have your... No, get away from me. She says stuff like that. She's not having it. She sees this guy, and she smiles and says something nice to him, like... That's a really nice suit. And he's just like, thanks. And he has like a little banter with her or something where he's like, yeah, people tell me it's ugly and I shouldn't wear clothes like this. But I say, it's cool. Ah, you just made my day, lady. Admiring my fashion sense. And then he leaves. And you're like, well, I guess this is a sign of her like moving on. Baby steps, I guess. I felt bad for the actor, too. I like that actor. The last thing I saw him in was in, like, this ABC show that only had, like, two seasons where he plays, like, you know, like, one of those typical family shows of, like, oh, hey, guess what? You're my dad. <laughs> Wait, what? He fi- he finds out he had a daughter with oh. somebody that he got together with in high school. <laughs> it was like, that's just how I greet my dad when I come in. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that was, like, the last thing I've ever seen this guy in. <laughs> But he only had, like, a solid, like, two minutes in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. He was just a face. Yeah, Yeah, but they had to, like, write over his face with with Chris Pines so he could get the billing. (laughs) It was silly. The whole thing was... Yeah, you you guys have convinced me down to two. Yeah! (laughs) Joining you. (laughs) Oh, well. Anyways... I thought I would respect the movie more when we dissected it. Like I would see, I would find some little gems, but it went the opposite way. <laughs> I mean, how could you not see that? I don't know. I'm blind. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening <laughs> to this episode of the Court of Owls, where I clearly made a fool of myself. You did not. Defending you did great. Wonder Woman, <laughs> then not defending Wonder Woman at all. 
yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, you can check Lex out at, do you have uh, something to promote? No. No. Please don't find Lex anywhere. <laughs> Lex does not want to be found. Um, we do though. So you can follow us on Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Court of Outlets. Let us know which comics you want us to cover next week. And make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and everywhere else you may listen to your podcasts. Take care. Have a wonderful day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>